Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Greg. How you doing? I've been better. I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sounded a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit down this morning. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You've been struggling with a lot of crap, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been an amazing week and a half, let me tell you. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably, probably not the adjective I would have used. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, I, I get you. Yeah, I didn't. I realize you could feel so bad, you know, for so long, and then it's like maybe I'm better. No, no. <laughs> uh, you're you're getting better. You're doing a show. Come on, I mean, you, you have enough energy for that. Yeah. So you're, you're going in the right direction. Um, I I know a lot of people have been sick lately. Uh, I'm not sure why, but Denise and I have been fine. Well, that's good. But we have a lot of friends uh, that have been dealing with the crud. And, uh, you know, prayer does work. So mm -hmm. we just need to just keep people in prayer uh, over all this stuff. I have an update for you. All right. Bring it. Actually, I have a couple of updates for you. I have an update on the dream book. Woohoo! Yeah, dude. I have just buried my head in that dream book. Yeah. And I've been working on it now for several weeks, uh, pretty much continuously. Um, I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to what's going on on social media. Um, I just decided I needed to get this dream book finished. And that glossary, dude, that thing was kicking my butt. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got it finished. Yes. I got, to... <laughs> I got it finished. Uh, I'm actually adding to it. Uh, what? So, yeah. So, what happened was the the glossary part of the dream book um, is finished as far as um, terms and you know colors and numbers and uh, th things of that nature. There's a, the glossary ended up being a little over seven hundred uh, <laughs> entries uh, that that I provide definitions for and then scripture references. But I decided that I wanted to add uh, another section that gives um, the meaning of names because mm. names are very important uh, in dreams and visions. So I'm putting together, and I've already got most of it compiled, putting together a, a section that will follow the, the, the main glossary and that section will um, list probably 300 names uh, of people and places and give a definition for the names. Because a lot of times when you have a dream, uh, you'll see somebody in the dream that you know, you'll know their name. And sometimes the entire message of the dream is found in the interpretation of the name. Wow. I, I had a dream years ago where I was um, trying to register for a prophetic conference in Corpus Christi, Texas. Okay. That was the dream. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, this is when I was fairly new to dreams. I had only been having dreams for about a year and I, I, I took it as a literal dream and I thought I was actually supposed to find a, a conference in Corpus Christi, Texas. And then one day I was thinking about it. Uh, thinking about the dream, and then the Holy Spirit just dropped into my spirit. What is the uh, what is the meaning of the name Corpus Christi? Hmm. And I was like, "Oh, the body of Christ, <laughs> the church." And God was telling me that He was giving me a prophetic calling to minister to the body of Christ. That was the meaning of the dream. Wow. He didn't want me to find uh, a conference. Yeah. He was letting me know that I had a prophetic calling 
to the church. So sometimes, uh, like I said, if you just interpret correctly interpret the meaning of a city or, or, or a name of a person, the, the meaning of the dream will be uh, revealed. So in the dream book, it's going to have uh, a section following the glossary that will have uh, the names of places and people and, and uh, their meaning. And like I said, I have that pretty much done. Uh, I worked on that yesterday. Um, and that dream book is going to be launched uh, pretty darn soon. Yeah. So Denise has Denise has done her part on the editing. I need to go through and re do some rewriting, uh, and then we just flow it into InDesign and create a cover, and we'll have it. We'll have a dream book. Yes, uh, it'll be out pretty soon. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to help a lot of people uh, understand the the way in which God speaks through visions and through dreams. You know, people have, a lot of people are having dreams now who don't normally have dreams. I'm having some very interesting ones. Yeah. And I think the book will help people understand the times and the seasons, help maybe uh, help them understand their destiny and their calling. Because uh, a lot of times God will speak to you about the issues of your life through dreams. And if you, <laughs> you know, there's a really important message there that if you don't know how to interpret the dream, you, you miss it. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that um, this book is going to train and equip some people to uh, to learn how to in interpret their dreams. I had some crazy dreams in, during this sickness, man. <laughs> I'll bet you did. Like, and what is that? Like, like is that is that like stress? Is that like my body being being wet? I mean, it was like crazy dream. Like, I was a traveler. I was traveling somewhere, and I ended up in like. Like, I don't know, it was like this desert town or something. And, you know, I was like laid out on this freaking old hotel bed, you know, trying to recover. And I was weary from my travels and my journey and all this. I don't know, it was the weirdest thing. Well, but it was a like lot of times, so real. Yeah, a lot of times um, those dreams portray symbolically what you're actually going through at the time. I mean, you're going through a rough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know you're physically sick, and probably you know a little bit emotionally um, under attack because you felt so bad you know physically. Yeah. So I, it's possible that the dreams were a um, were a spiritual representation of what you were feeling physically. That would be my guess. Right on, right on. And that's pretty common. I've been having some crazy dreams too. Uh, like not all my dreams, not all my dreams are easy to interpret. Not all of them make sense. Sometimes I'm like, I wake up in the morning, like what in the world was that all about? <laughs> what are you saying, Lord? I don't get it. Well, give us a dream. Well, like what's one you had recently? What is one that I had recently? All right. Uh, I recently had a dream. This is, I think, three nights ago where a leader had lost control of his country, political leader. He lost control of his country. And in the dream, I saw a narrative that was put out by the media about how this guy lost control of his country. And the funny thing was, um, I knew about this guy's character and his reputation in the dream and what the media was saying about what happened did not match up with what I knew to be true about this guy's character. Hmm. Um, I knew in the dream that the media, they were lying about what happened when this guy lost control of his country. Um, I knew that th there was a different story, uh, a, a true story, and it, and it wasn't what the media was saying. And the funny thing is, I had that dream the morning that the president of Guinea uh, was arrested and... Um, Basically, the military kind of did, pulled a military coup and removed mm -hmm. him from power. That was the morning that I had that dream. Now, I don't know if this dream is related to Afghanistan or Guinea, or maybe it's related to the United States. I'm not sure. But um, I think in time, I'll look back on that dream and realize uh, what specific situation it was speaking of. Sometimes dreams like that will actually have more than one interpretation or They'll speak to multiple issues at the same time. 
Um, I have a lot of uh, political dreams uh, lately, last few years. A lot of my dreams are involving news and politics. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of my assignment for right now. Is there any dreams of uh, us getting POTUS back? <laughs> um, not ones that I've had, but I have some friends who have been having some very interesting dreams. Oh, yeah? Yep. I have friends send me dreams that they're having about Trump. And the trend on the dreams is it's moving in a certain direction. Trajectory is huge in, um, in spiritual uh in the spiritual world it is in the natural world too um it's easy to look at a single data point um, on any given day and conclude that nothing's happening you know you go you go a whole weekend and there's really no news and nothing's happening there's no breaking news and a lot of people get um kind of in a mindset where they think nothing's really happening mm -hmm. you know the Durham report isn't coming out we're not going to get the Arizona audit report. You know, nothing's happening. No one's been arrested. It's easy to fall into that mindset and think that nothing's happening because you don't see anything happening on any given day. But what, uh, what I find it very helpful to look at the trajectory of uh, events over a long period of time. So I look at the direction things are moving. I take a series of data points, series of events over the course of six months or so. Mm -hmm. And I look at the direction that those events are going. Like a good example is the Biden administration. Back in January and February, we had a newly installed uh, administration. And, you know, Patriots and, and MAGA, we were kind of shocked to see Joe Biden inaugurated. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of news in the first month or two, and Biden was signing a lot of executive orders, undoing what, what Trump had done. Yeah. But in, in the last couple of months, you can see things changing. You can see um, the, the way that Biden, the Biden administration is failing in so many areas, failing with respect to their foreign policy, the failure in Afghanistan, failures in other countries, uh, failure to negotiate uh, good treaties. Um, you can look at domestic policy failures. Biden is not able to get um, his, his budget pushed through Congress. He, he's, he's lost a lot of court cases. The Remain in Mexico policy is a good, is a good example. Um, he's been fighting the Remain in Mexico policy, fighting a lot of, the, of, of Trump policies. And the courts have been handing him one defeat after another. Yeah. Right. So I look at all these failures of the Biden administration and I look in the, at the direction, the overall direction that these things are moving in. And the tra trajectory tells you where this is going. Um, Biden is not suddenly going to pull out a whole bunch of victories in the courts. He's not going to suddenly pull out a bunch of victories in foreign policy or domestic policy. No. He's going to continue suffering losses. I'm seeing the Biden administration suffer one loss after another loss after another loss. That's the trajectory, right? So in, in the spiritual world, I, I see a similar trajectory. I see things happening in the spiritual world. Uh, my friends send me dreams, and these dreams that people are sending me uh, are, are now more consistently showing Trump coming back into office. Um, I... I didn't see a lot of those dreams like six months ago, but in the last month, the dreams people are sending me uh, indicate that the Trump coming back into office, I think is, is getting closer. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and again, it's just uh, what, what direction is the data pointing in? Is the data pointing in direction of, you know, that Trump is not going to be in office or that he is going to be in office. I think, I think he is. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, uh, speaking of elections. So there's a little bit of news this morning on the Maricopa County election front. Woohoo! Bring it. Um, this does not have to do with the audit that was commissioned by the Senate and the report 
that is coming out from Cyber Ninjas. This is a report that was just published by Liz Harris this morning. Okay, so Liz Harris and a group, a large group of volunteers conducted a canvas in Maricopa County of the 2020 election. All right, they went door to door, knocking on doors yeah. to, to verify voter information. So they verified voter registrations. They verified how many ballots did you receive uh, in the mail? Did you vote in person? Did you vote by mail? How many people in this household voted? And they were able to do a canvas where they, they reached thousands of people in Maricopa County. And uh, this was the canvas that the Department of Justice tried to shut down <laughs> by intimidating them and threatening them saying, you know, if you're going to be out there intimidating voters, uh, we're going to, we take a very dim view of that. We might have to prosecute you. Well, yeah. they were not able to stop the canvas, right? And so the canvas happened and Liz Harris, uh, they released a report this morning and based on the canvas that they did in Maricopa County, um, they, they uh, knocked on doors and interviewed thousands of people, I think around four to 5,000 people in the county. And then they take that data set and they extrapolate those numbers onto the entire county. Mm. Similar to doing a poll, you know, most of the political polls, they'll poll a thousand people and they'll get a cross section of the population and they'll extrapolate that data onto the entire population and say, you know, our margin of errors is, you know, 3%. The margin of error on this canvas is 5%. So it has about a 95% accuracy rate. Let me open up my Telegram channel and I'll read the numbers because I don't want to have, I don't want to be giving people fake news. Yeah, don't do that, Dave. So according to this report by Liz Harris, uh, on the 2020 election canvas in Maricopa County, approximately 173,000 votes went missing. These are people that were contacted who said that they voted, but their vote has not been found in the system. Uh, a second data set here is the number of ghost votes. Uh, 96,000 what they called ghost votes. So what they did was um, they looked at, uh, the, again, the voter information and they went out and they knocked door to door and they went and checked out, um, addresses. A lot of votes were cast from addresses that could not have been a legitimate address for a voter. So they're vacant lots where there's no building. Uh, some of the addresses are municipal, uh, addresses where obviously it couldn't be a residential address because there's a city building there or, or there's some other building there that's not a residential address. Mm -hmm. So you have people casting votes, but they're registering in an address that can't be an actual residential address. Then you've got a number of other uh, situations where here's one example. One person uh, had been living in this residence for 10 years and they temporarily leased out a bedroom to somebody who lived there for about six months and then left. Oh, wow. That person, that person, that renter who lived there for like six months and then left the state, voted in every election since 2010. Uh, even though they, they haven't lived in the state and they only lived at that address for six months. Mm -hmm. They went back and looked at records and that person voted in 2018, 2016. <laughs> They voted in all these elections. These are ghost voters. These are people who do not live in the state, do not live in the county, have not lived here in a long time. Some of them may never have lived here. Uh, and there are 96,000 votes like this where it's pretty easy to prove that these people either don't exist or don't or not registered voters. And yet they cast a vote. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got almost 100,000 ghost voters in Maricopa County alone. That's not counting Pinal and Pima and all the other counties in Arizona. It's Maricopa County alone. So this is going to, uh, this is going to present a huge problem for Katie Hobbs and, and the, um, we like causing problems for her. 
Yeah, well, you know, uh, the, the most secure election in history is all of a sudden looking like maybe not the most secure election in history. Yeah. Uh, canvassing is actually a, a well-recognized election tool that has been used for years to verify voter rolls. When, when um, you hear these reports, like in Wisconsin, they removed 200,000 uh, voters from the voter rolls. Uh, or other states where they remove, I think Georgia, they removed like 120,000 voters from voter rolls. Mm -hmm. They remove those voters based on canvassing. So they go out and they go door to door and they knock on doors and they ask people, how many registered voters are at this residence? Does this person live here? Does this person live here? And they get information that they either call uh, or they go in person and they do canvassing. And that's how they clean up voter rolls. Well, this particular canvas was done by Liz Harris and her group. And uh, it presents some very, very problematic information <laughs> for, for Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and for Katie Hobbs. Take that data along with other data that's going to come from the Arizona audit report. We're probably gonna get that in a few weeks. Um, and we're starting to see a picture of hundreds of thousands of uh, votes that either are fraudulent or are missing. You know, we've got over 200,000 votes combined. On the one hand, you've got over 100,000 votes that are missing, and you got another 100,000 votes that are probably fraudulent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a huge problem. That is a huge problem. And a lot of the experts are saying that Arizona probably has one of the cleaner uh, voting systems as far as the swing states go. They say that Georgia is probably the worst. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in Georgia if and when they ever do a canvas and if they ever do an audit. I think we're going to see a lot bigger problems in Georgia, probably bigger problems in Pennsylvania too. The way that they perpetrated the fraud and the way that they covered it up in Georgia and Pennsylvania, um, it's just a lot more egregious than it is here in Arizona. So we're starting to get some Arizona numbers and it doesn't look good for Joe Biden. What all this data is all pointing to, the direction, the trajectory of all this data is that uh, Biden is an illegitimately elected president. Mm -hmm. And more and more information is gonna come out. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to get more information over the next few months that is going to strongly suggest that Biden was installed, uh, was not an elected president. And you know, it's interesting, you can see how the, uh, the citizenry are kind of reacting negatively to our so-called elected leaders like Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Trudeau is out on his campaign tour and he's doing his little bus stops at all these little towns. And every time the bus stops and he gets off, he is booed. Uh, he's jeered. And the last time he stopped, they started throwing rocks at him. They're throwing rocks at him. They're throwing rocks at literally throwing rocks at him now. Joe Biden is being trolled and taunted everywhere he goes. Yeah. For, for a guy who supposedly had more votes than any other presidential candidate in history. Ever. Whenever his uh, presidential <laughs> vehicle, along with the Secret Service entourage, goes anywhere. It's all a bunch of Trump supporters and they're all trolling Biden. There are, no, there are no Biden supporters showing up to, you know, to support Joe Biden. The guy is becoming more despised and loathed by the day. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, liberals who are having some serious buyer's remorse. You know, the more information we get that's coming out about um, the debacle in Afghanistan and how the State Department now has ba is basically interfering with um, attempts by former military people to remove uh, and extract people from Afghanistan, American citizens. And the State Department is interfering. And then when the extraction happens, the State Department is taking credit for it. Yeah. Uh, people are starting to see just how inept and corrupt um, the Biden administration is. And the trajectory is not a positive one for Joe Biden. No. And, and Kamala's in, in, well, I mean, nobody's ever liked Kamala anyway.
Yeah. Now well, she's going out there to campaign for Gruesome. Yeah, she's going to campaign for Newsom. How well do you think that's going to be received? Not very well. Yeah, probably not. Not even in California, uh, where you know liberal support is is pretty strong. Uh, it's, it's as strong there as anywhere else. I doubt that there's going to be a lot of positive feedback on Kamala's no. campaigning for Newsom. Um, my concern, of course, about this recall election in California is the election system. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're using a rigged election system, uh, does Larry Elder really have a chance um, to win? If they're, you know, there's news reports out there that they're encouraging people to print ballots at home on their own printers. What? <laughs> I read that and I was like, what? are you serious? Yes. There, there are actually people um, from the state of California that are telling people they can print their own ballots at home on their home printers. I kid yeah. you not. Wow. <laughs> they're so not even hiding a, it anymore. Not even hiding it anymore. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting election. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. There's all these warnings from different agencies about potential for fraud in the, in the California recall election. And I don't know. To me, it looks like uh, a hot mess. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think I think. Uh... You know, with with all the stuff coming out from Maricopa County and other places starting to look into some things, I think if it, if it did go crazy, I think there's there's even more reasons to look into it a little deeper. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people like Katie Hobbs and the mainstream media, their story about nothing to see here uh, is losing credibility. Yeah. Um. It, it, uh, it'll be again. It'll be interesting to see how the media responds to this canvas report by Liz Harris. Uh, they'll have you know a week or so to look at that and to try to spin it, and then we'll get the the audit report. Um, sounds like that'll probably be out by the end of the month, um, maybe first week of October. It's it's hard to it's hard to predict the timeline, and I, I don't think it's worth predicting dates um the report will come out when it comes out Mm -hmm. and you know we just have to be patient hang in there and wait yeah um but i and i expect that the audit report is going to be pretty devastating um it'll i'm sure it's going to reflect the nature of problems that we're seeing in the canvas report you know a couple hundred thousand votes that are either fraudulent or uh, missing. Mm-hmm. I mean, both both situations are, are highly problematic. So, I'm guessing that the audit will shed more light on that problem. Well, Wendy Rogers, what was it? A couple of days ago, she tweeted out, you know, that it's coming. There's even more stuff that's going to be revealed. You know, and that's part of what patients. she was talking about when she said there's even more that's going to be revealed. She was talking about uh, the canvas. Nice. Um, and there's other stuff too. Come on. Um, Just in time so, for the holidays. Yeah. See, <laughs> um, what you have to think about this this audit, um, it, it is, it's a starting point. It's a starting point for a series of actions that are going to follow the, the release of the report. Because, and, and we know this for a fact. This isn't me speculating. We know this is, is a fact. Karen Fan has told us repeatedly that once the audit report is released, um, the facts contained in the audit report are going to be litigated in court. Okay. When all of this information goes to court, judges are then going to have to make rulings Mm -hmm. based on the information found in the report. So we're going to get uh, rulings from judges about the election (laughs) right a judge could order a new election a judge could order the results of the election be overturned Mm -hmm. those are the things that are going to happen after the report comes out when the when the report comes out it'll have information and data 
that can then be taken to court. Judges can rule on things. Um, action can be taken by the attorney general. Uh, if there's if there's evidence of willful misconduct, aka criminal activity, the attorney general can then uh, arrest people and prosecute them. And I'd be very surprised if by the end of this, if members of the board of supervisors are not sitting in jail. Nice. Um, because it's pretty it's pretty clear that they were um, complicit in this whole thing. And all of their actions are intended to cover up their crimes. Mm -hmm. I think those crimes are going to be exposed. Who knows what action is going to be taken against uh, Secretary of State Hobbs. But I think, I think there's a good chance that Katie Hobbs will probably end up facing criminal charges um, before this is done. Because I suspect that they will find willful misconduct on behalf of the Secretary of State's office. Uh, probably going to end up with some Dominion people being arrested. So the audit report is the beginning. It's a starting point. It'll give us a bunch of data upon which action can be taken. Some of that action is going to involve uh, court cases. Some of that action will, will probably be criminal prosecutions. I think that if we're going to see a takedown of social media or a takedown of the internet, it's probably going to happen in that time frame. I think that if um, we start seeing significant action against the players involved, that is going to be very damaging for the narrative that this is a free and fair election. And Trump is going to be on, you know, every media outlet that he can yeah. talking about, you know, Katie Hobbs was arrested yesterday. <laughs> or Maricopa County Board of Supervisors have been charged. Um, that's going to do a lot to help his case. And I think when those things start happening, that may be the time where, you know, Facebook will suddenly go offline or Twitter will be taken down. Because at that point, the, the narrative of the election starts to fall apart big time. If we get a series of um, rulings from judges here in Arizona, where, you know, we're going to overturn the election, we're going to reverse the results of the election, or the Senate, you know, decertifies the electors, things of that nature. All of those actions um, undercut the narrative of the mainstream media that this is a free and fair election and Biden's your president and get over it. You know, you people are just sore losers. Oh, uh, suddenly that narrative is going to start to erode. It's going to erode, I think, pretty quickly after the report comes out. So all the people who are, you know, complaining and whining because the report didn't come out already, uh, you, the report is going to come out. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and there's going to be a lot of significant action based on that report once it does come out. Patience, Dinosaur. It's, it's fun to watch them panic, though. You know, they're trying to, like, keep everything all duct taped together and just, like, the overhead, don't pay attention over this. and don't. They're doing their best to keep their narrative held together. Yeah. But it's going to start falling apart at a faster pace over the next month. Yay. And the release of the, the Canvas report you know, is sort of a shot heard around the world. Um, and, you know, they're going to con they're going to counter the audit uh, report and the canvas report and, and the other actions that are going to follow. That's all going to be countered with more rhetoric about us being insurrectionists, oh, yeah. about about us being uh, terrorists, um, you know, all, all that stuff. So we've got that. There's a, uh, a January um, Justice for J6 defendants thing coming up uh, September 18th in D.C. They're holding a rally uh, to support the people who have been you know, incarcerated uh, in connection to January 6th mm -hmm. uh, rally. Well, I, I think that we need to support those people. And I think that we need to support them financially and with prayers. But concern that um, this uh, an opportunity for a false flag event. Yeah. Because I think the deep state is kind of desperate to find more evidence or create more evidence, manufacture evidence that um, patriotic people are domestic terrorists. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm concerned that they're going to uh, continue pulling false flags, 
pulling various operations, trying to make us look like domestic terrorists. Oh, yeah. They're starting. They're starting um, that up already yeah. with the 9-11 stuff coming up, too. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of interesting things happening with 9-11. Uh, the so-called 9-11 mastermind. His pretrial hearing started yesterday at Gitmo. The, uh, the guy who masterminded uh, 9-11. Mm -hmm. And it's open to the press. And they've invited the media down there to Gitmo. And you know the anniversary is coming up in three days. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned that there's going to be an event on the anniversary of 9/11. Yep, that could potentially send us back into Afghanistan. You've already got, you know, General Milley and other people making the case that we're going to have to go back into Afghanistan, and I think that's probably true because they made a huge mess when they withdrew. They allowed the Taliban to take over. And now you've got a terrorist organization running the country. It's it's worse than it was back in 2000, 2001, mm -hmm. because now the Taliban is organized. And they've got $85 billion worth of military hardware that, that the Biden administration gave them. So I'm very concerned that the Biden administration is going to get us back into Afghanistan in a war where... We're going to be fighting well-equipped well uh, terrorists who are using our weapons against us. I mean, this is just, this is a nightmare. Yeah. What what Biden has done. Wouldn't surprise me at all if another event happens um, in the next month that is would be used as a reason for us to go back into Afghanistan. Uh, you know, 9-11 or 2.0. You know, yeah, it is what they do. Um, they love war. They make a lot of money off of war. Yeah. Um, the drug trafficking, weapons trafficking, human trafficking that comes out of uh, war. It's big business for the military industrial complex. Yeah. Plus the weapons contracts and everything else. Um, they get rich and off the of war. And the natural resources too. <clears throat> yeah, everything. So I'm, I'm concerned about that, but I'm also optimistic because... Um, you know, they're trying to they're trying to push their narrative and they're trying to run their playbook. But a lot of people have become aware of the playbook. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have uh, woken up <laughs> in the last two years. Yeah. Um, you know, if, you, if you haven't been uh, jarred out of your sleep by, by the covid pandemic, a lot of people are also waking up because of the failed uh, withdrawal in Afghanistan. And the corruption and ineptitude of the deep state is more on display every day. And I guarantee you, dude, if they pull a false flag and if they create another opportunity for us to go back into Afghanistan, how many Biden voters do you think are going to wake up one day, read that we're going back into war in Afghanistan and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. We just pulled our troops out. We just got everybody out. You're telling us we're going back? Yeah. That's going to wake a lot more people up. And it's 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 about waking people up. And everything they do is waking more people up. Yeah, you see it more and more. People are pushing back. Yeah. yeah. I think those college students chanting out uh, F you Biden and all these different places, I think that's great. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the emperor has no clothes. And pretty soon, everybody's going to know it. Yeah. Uh, it's becoming more obvious all the time. Yeah. Well, we'll see what Biden has to say tomorrow, too, about the uh, the Moo the variant. Yeah, the Moo variant. Yeah. I mean, it's like how many times can you pull, pull the same stuff? It's, it's insanity. And that's another thing that's waking people up. So you've got the Moo variant coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they'll have another variant and another variant. And another variant. I mean, the yeah. health minister in Australia said the quiet part out loud a couple of days ago. She said COVID is going to be here forever and the vaccinations are going to be here forever. Yeah. It's the new normal. You're just going to have to get used to it. No, thanks. So, uh, yeah, they, they, she pretty much just explained what the playbook is. We're going to continue giving you vaccinations every six to eight months. 
you're not going to have a choice. Uh, this is just the new normal and you're going to have to get used to it. And at some point, uh, the rest of the sheep are going to wake up and realize that they're being lied to. Yeah. And the truth is going to come out. Well, and it's like, you know, the, the treatments that are coming out too, you know I mean? The, the ivermectin, you know, yep. they're doing the exact same thing they did with the HCQ. I mean, it totally exactly. works. And not only does it work for that, but it works for so many other things. Yep. And I think people are, are seeing that, you know, people are seeing it. And as the fake news tries to uh, push their narratives, uh, they keep having to issue retractions and corrections because, yeah, because their lies are being exposed. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's painful to watch uh, these political people uh, deceive and lie and, and push their agendas. But again, it's just leading to more people waking up. Yeah. And pretty soon the majority of the population is going to be awake. That's what they fear the most. We are in the midst of the great awakening. That is what they fear the most. Uh, yeah. Citizens awake, understanding that they've been lied to, understanding that uh, corruption has infected most areas of society. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, there's going to be massive worldwide revolution. So have it. Come we're on, taking man. our countries back. And that's why you look at all these places that are protesting. I mean, like, and it's, yeah. it's just kind of amazing to me. Like, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it the other day. You know, it's like right before COVID hit, there was protests going on in. The yellow vest protests in yeah, France. All and, that and stuff. In Germany. Yeah. And it's like COVID came mm -hmm. along and then it, it stopped all those. And there was all kinds of stuff with that. But it's like it's come full circle again where now there's even more places that are protesting. They're taking back their freedom. They're fighting against the government and lockdowns and passports and yep. mass mandates. And then you got you know, even like the moms and dads out there storming the school board meetings. and Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a grassroots thing. People are sick and fed up with tyrants and they are at the grassroots level. People are pushing back, taking their country back. Like the school board meetings where parents are coming and just uh, going ballistic on the school boards, yeah, voting people out, taking back control. It seems like um, more and more of that, like the more that the more that people are seeing other people doing that, the more it's encouraging them to go do the same thing. I'm seeing posts on, on social media and stuff where people are like getting all excited and like counting down the days until their school board meeting <laughs> and yeah. they can't wait to go there and get in front of them. You know, it's, I think it's great. Yeah. The media is also in a panic about how many, uh, precinct committee members are, are being appointed uh, around the country. Um, that, that was the big secret is that there were thousands, tens of thousands of open positions on, on county uh, precinct committees. And a lot of people, a lot of MAGA people are getting appointed and the media is a bit freaked out about it. You can read the articles. The media is in a little bit of a panic because a lot of this has been, you know, championed by people like Bannon in the war room and, and you know, people like us and uh, the media are not happy with the fact that people are taking back control at the grassroots level at the very low level yeah. school boards precinct committees um it, you know general flynn has had a, a lot to do with that his message of getting involved at the local level it's an important message and people are hearing it and, and they're and they're taking it seriously that's how we take back our country yeah uh we take back control of our country uh at the at the lowest level uh first by being a good parent <laughs> second by being active you know at the school board level and also at the precinct committee level uh and you know some people will run for higher office and that's great too but uh, we can all be active in some way in the in the system uh it doesn't take a whole lot of time doesn't take a lot of skill and talent to do it yeah and, and it's it's happening it's definitely happening. Nothing can stop what is coming. Amen. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a catchphrase. <laughs> uh, it's like a long battle, though. I think a lot of us are battle-weary, you know? It is a long battle. 
and a lot of people are battle weary. That's why sometimes you have to take breaks. You got to step back from it, step away from it. Mm -hmm. Find something else to focus on for a while. Um, don't stay in the battle too long. You know, get some R and R, get some perspective. Go hike a trail. Go, you know, camping for a weekend. Yeah, and, and get refreshed and get a new perspective on things. You can't stay in the battle day after day. It's not good for your mental health. No, that's kind of like how it was when Twitter was still around. You know. Yeah. Remember, it was just like constant, nonstop, was, just boom, oh man. boom, boom. Years, years, day after day for years, we were yeah. on there on uh, Twitter battling uh, for narrative control. Yep. And, you know, it's it's been, what, four years now, five years that we've been engaged in this war. Yeah. Uh, that, that was longer. It's longer than a lot of the major wars that we've fought. Yeah. In history, five years. And the war's not over yet. We got a long way to go. Yeah. That's that's the reason why it you have to take breaks and you have to step back, get away, get a perspective break, because this war is nowhere close to being over. Mm -hmm. Even when Trump comes back into office, and he will, the war is not over. Yeah. Because we're still there's still going to be a narrative war. Um, an information war that has to be fought and won. Uh, we need to establish information dominance. And there will, I'm, going, I'm guessing there are going to be some significant events in the future that have to do with information dominance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if they try to shut down social media, shut down the internet, um, that's going to be a significant critical event in the information war when uh online uh platforms come back when when we have access again to online platforms uh, establishing information dominance is going to be critical at that point and that's going to be uh, a, a, it's just going to be a very important part of what we have to do because the deep state understands how important information is they control large sections of the population by controlling the information. Yep. And if we can force them to take down the internet, take down social media platforms, that just means that our information uh, is helping to win the information war. If mm -hmm. they take it down, it goes offline. It is a huge sign of uh, victory for us. But once it comes back online, we have to um, continue to fight and continue to put out the information uh, and make sure that people understand why the information uh, was taken offline, why the platforms went down, why they took down the internet. Um, th this, is, this is a long battle. We're nowhere close to being done. And the tactics and strategies are going to change over the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. There are going to be new objectives that we need to accomplish. New tactics, new strategies, new people. Um, some of the leaders that we're used to seeing in our camp are probably going to fall by the wayside. Yep. I'm not going to give you any specifics on that, but um, God has shown a couple of us that some of the people we rely and depend on are, are not going to be sticking with us over the long haul. Some of them will be dropping off and other people will take their place. Mm -hmm. We're going to have new leaders at some point. We'll have, like I said, new objectives, new tactics, new strategies, new ways of doing things, new issues that we're going to have to make the public aware of because we are the news now. And we want to, we have to be relevant uh, to what is currently happening. And we have to be on point and on message. Yep. Um, and you know, as time goes on, you'll, you'll understand what those changes are going to be. Uh, just realize there are going to be changes coming up. Yeah. Now you think if they took down the, the internet and, and all these social media platforms, you think that's when we could see those IP addresses come into play? Yeah, that's my suspicion. Uh, military intelligence has a plan for everything. <laughs> they, they have these very elaborate, 
uh, operation plans mm -hmm. and they have lots and lots of red lines. Um, a red line is an, is a, uh, is a defining event. If someone does this, takes this action, the military has to have a plan to counter that. Mm -hmm. So the military is responsible for planning uh, contingencies for almost every conceivable possibility. And I guarantee you they have a plan to counter a takedown of the internet or a takedown of all major social media platforms. I think that the reason why those millions of IP addresses went live three minutes before Trump left office on January 20th is that uh, those IP addresses are a part of the plan that if the deep state takes down social media or if they take off the, the internet down, military will stand up a parallel internet mm -hmm. that, that will have access to that will be different and will function differently than the current internet, but we'll be able to access it. That that's my belief. I don't have any, you know, insider information on that. That's just kind of my, um, what I believe to be true based on what I know about military intelligence, based on the fact that we know that those IP addresses went live and there is, there's other data out there. Mm -hmm. Um, some information from Q and some information from other sources that, have suggested that the military has a capability to work around that problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it still all plays into the same thing with devolution too. You know, the military yeah. stepping in. So yeah, it does. I think there's more roads for devolution now than, than ever before. Every day that goes by, there's a little more information coming out that supports the idea of devolution. Uh, but even I'm, if that happened, out. right, even even if devolution happened, right, I mean, everybody, oh, devolution, and then it's like, woohoo, it's it's over, you know, it's like, no, there's still, there's still a heck of a lot more even after that, but I mean, that would be, that would be huge. You mean if Trump gets reinstated? Yeah. There's a lot more to come after that, because this isn't just about Trump and the election. I mean, a lot of people kind of get uh, narrowly focused on Trump and the election. Yeah. This is much larger than Trump and the election. This is uh, about corruption that has pervaded every area of society. Mm -hmm. Exposing that corruption and removing it from state governments, from local governments, from the church, from the entertainment industry, from professional sports, academia, uh, centers of higher education, high schools. Um, there has been a corrupting influence that has pervaded every part of society. Yep. And removing that corruption is going to take a long time. It's not going to be done in a weekend. It's not going to be done in the course of a year. It's going to take a long time for us to expose and remove all of that corruption. It took a long time for those institutions to be, to be corrupted. And it's going to take a long time for them to be, uh, for the corruption to be removed. Yeah. And a lot of people still are not aware, like the people who, who kind of woke up during COVID, uh, a lot of them don't have any understanding of what has happened regarding the Clinton foundation. Mm -hmm. The Clinton Foundation scandal that goes back 25 years and all of the different uh, governments around the world that contributed money to the Clinton Foundation in a pay for play scheme to get political favors and how, how that was involved in, uh, in human trafficking and weapons trafficking, how you know, we were selling weapons to terrorists. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, now, the, the true story of what happened, what was going on behind Benghazi would curl most people's hair if they knew what Benghazi was actually about. Yeah, It's not about what people have, have been told. Think about the fact that the United States embassy in Libya was in Tripoli. And we already had an ambassador appointed in Tripoli to represent our interests in, in Libya. Why did we need an embassy in Benghazi? 
the, the State Department created a position there and promoted someone because they needed to do a weapons sale to terrorists. And even the CIA didn't want to do it. So it fell to the State Department to do it. And that's why Hillary ran the operation. Uh, that's the kind of thing that's been going on. And, you know, like I said, the people who just woke up to, to, to the corruption of government regarding COVID, they've got a lot more information that they need to look into. Yeah. There's all kinds of corruption. Uh, it's, it's going on at every level. There's the Uranium One uh, scandal where it looks like we essentially covertly um, allowed Iran, North Korea, and Syria to build covert nuclear weapons programs uh, with the end game of starting a, a nuclear, a limited nuclear war, which the United States would get involved in with Russia. Yeah. We would either be eliminated or severely damaged, and then they would bring in their globalist society. There's all kinds of scandals like this, like Uranium One and the Clinton Foundation, that have been investigated. There hasn't been any prosecution yet on most of the players there. But those are the types of um, things that our government has been doing for a long time. And a lot of people are unaware of those issues. If you've, if you're, you know, recently w woke up from your slumber, there's, <laughs> there's all kinds of things to look into. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what happened at Epstein Island? Who was connected to Jeffrey Epstein? You know, what was the purpose of uh, Epstein Island? Who was blackmailed? as an end game how can you control politicians through blackmail yeah there's all kinds of issues like that that a lot of people are not aware of and they need to look into those things and exposing all this corruption prosecuting the people involved it's going to take a long time uh, if you don't have patience this is not a game for you because <laughs> the takedown of corruption so true. globally and in every area of society it's going to take a long time like here's another example we're finding out over the last year or two that a number of professors at universities like Stanford uh, were hired by these uh, Ivy League colleges and they were doing research, medical research and military research, and they were selling their information to the Communist Chinese Party. A lot of these people have been arrested. A lot of people in our intelligence community, CIA, uh, Defense Department intelligence have been selling information to the Communist Chinese Party. Oh yeah, our our government has been infiltrated by people working for the Chinese government, right? So the corruption is everywhere. It's on a lot of different levels, and this is all going to gradually be exposed. It's going to take a long time. It's not going to happen immediately. Um, so again. For people who have no patience and want their instant oatmeal right now in one minute, um, you're not going to get all everything resolved in a very short period of time. It's going to take a long time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can't wait for some fireworks. So you know, I mean, I've definitely learned how to be patient over this. But <laughs> uh, is your popcorn bit. stale yet? Well, I, I've moved on to nachos. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to let, I had to step away from the popcorn for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to take time, but it's going to happen. Well, it just means more Medic Mondays, Wednesday. It means more, yeah, more Medic Mondays. I think that when Trump comes back into office, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Q returns. Although I, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any way of knowing mm -hmm. if or when Q is going to return. But I would suspect that. When Trump comes back into office uh, and he appoints a new attorney general, I, I kind of go back and forth because I think that a lot of the criminal prosecution is probably going to be done at the, by the military. Some of the criminality, I think, will be prosecuted by the Department of Justice. But right now, I think the Department of Justice is so compromised. It's difficult for me to yeah. envision the DOJ prosecuting a lot of these people. I think a lot of this is going to end up in military trials. They are building so, a new courthouse yeah. down at Gitmo. They are. Isn't that amazing how 
Obama tried to get uh, Gitmo shut down, and Biden has tried to get uh, Gitmo shut down, and they just keep on expanding it and building it. And funny how that works. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if Q comes back at some point and gives us some assistance in working through the process of all these you know, the people being prosecuted, more corruption being exposed. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to need some help making sense of all of this when, when Trump is back in office. So like I said, I, I don't, I don't know that Q is going to come back, but I suspect Q might come back and might help us understand all of these various uh, levels of corruption and, and, uh, how the prosecution's going to roll out. Well, that's all I ever was, was a guide for us, you know? Right. Right. So, look here, look there, check this out, look under this rock. Yep. So, uh, Monday? Just come, we'll actually have a Medic Monday? I think we can have a Medic Monday, this yeah. coming Monday. Right. Get back on schedule? Yeah. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, and I don't think I'm going anywhere. No, I'm not going anywhere till October, so... All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And it's such great news about the dream book. Any idea like uh, how long before we can start ordering it? We're going to try to have it done by the end of September. It should be available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and through Ingram Spark. But we okay. try to make we try to make all the all the our spiritual books available on all those platforms. I'll put out an announcement on the website and on telegram and uh, do a, I'll, I'll be doing some broadcasts um, where I'll do some teaching about dreams. Yeah. Uh, so you, you'll know when, when it's available, but we're, we're going to try to get it published by the end of the month. Awesome. Awesome. That's our goal. And then power and authority after that. I know. I can't wait for that one. There's not a glossary uh, in that one. Is there? That one is not going to have a glossary. <clears throat> I don't know if I'll ever again put a glossary in a book. Uh, I learned my lesson on this book. Man. Woo. Well, you got to do at least one, right? I mean. <clears throat> got to do one. Yeah. Would not want to do another one. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not the fact that I just put a glossary in there and gave some terms and some definitions. Yeah. Uh, it was all the research I had to do to come up with the scripture references mm -hmm. for the definitions. Um, now it's it's literally been I think four or five months of research. Yeah, on, on Bible Gateway, just researching all the scripture you know references for all the different terms and definitions because um, you got to have sauce if you're gonna you know make claims about certain things, uh, bring the sauce or, or, or don't make your claims. And I, I have pretty good sauce for everything that I've gotten the glossary. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. You always have good sauce, man. Yeah. So medic sauce is the choicest. <laughs> it's delicious. All right. All right, man. All right, guys. Well, listen, I'll be back on probably stick with the 10 o'clock thing for a little bit. You know, it gives me a little bit of extra sleep in the morning. So see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for being with us, Dave. And thank you uh, for uh, hosting me. Yeah, it's always great, man. I love it when we hang out. Me too. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep you and Denise lifted up in prayer. And thank uh, you. Keep our country and President Trump and all the patriots. Awesome. I'll keep you in prayer. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. Love you guys.